Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. This is the number one daily radio show for realtors looking for a no BS, authentic, real-time coaching experience. What's really working in today's market, how to generate more leads, make more money, and have more time for what you love in your life. And now your hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Welcome back, Julie. We're picking up where we left off yesterday and the day before, mm-hmm. and we're talking about the new rules that agents must know about when working with buyers. And no, we're not going to be boring you with a bunch of agency stuff and legal stuff. We're going to be focusing in on rules as apply to, frankly, how you're going to have buyers work with you from a buyer's agency contract perspective, an exclusive buyer's agency contract perspective. And we're going to share with you some different techniques to use. And really, I think a shift in a mindset that the industry definitely needs to have happen immediately in order to make it so that buyer's agents are going to remain a viable and important part of the industry. Because frankly, right now, what's happening and it's happening fast is that the rules, in essence, for working with buyers has completely changed and a lot of the industry isn't paying attention. That's right. So for example, you're all used to using listing presentations for sellers, but do you have a buyer presentation for your buyers? Well, in this new market, buyer's agents must have an actual buyer presentation. So listen to today's show and you can learn what you should and shouldn't include in that buyer presentation. Next, we have a fact. Buyers aren't liars. Agents say that all the time. Buyers are liars, right? But buyers aren't liars. They just have no idea what to expect. They don't know what the correct process is, what to expect from you, what you should expect from them, or anything else that agents like to get upset about. Now, why is that an important point? It is an important point because when you hear agents complaining that, you know, buyers are liars, then an extreme example of sometimes what, you know, agents will say, and you ask them why, you'll discover quickly it's because the buyer went and bought a FISBO or the buyer uh, bought new construction or the buyer this or the buyer the other thing. But the problem was the buyer did not know how they were to work with you in the event that they wanted to go buy new construction. They did not know what you were supposed to do with regards to representing them on those different, uh, you know, all the different ways they could purchase a property. They didn't know that you were actually going to possibly go and, um, you know, that they weren't supposed to go and talk to sellers or for sale by owners or go to open houses themselves and trip over a house that they want to buy. And yeah, it turns out the listing agent is more than happy to write the contract. They didn't know. They don't know the rules of the road when working with an exclusive buyer's agency, uh, exclusive buyer's agent rather, because for the last 15 years, you guys haven't had any rules. You've basically been happy to pay for a lead, work with the lead, uh, you know, to the point where they'll purchase a house. But as, aside from having the agency form signed, how many of you are having, for example, net sheets signed? How many of you are uh, going through the process of explaining to the buyer all the different facets of financing, or are you just relying on the lender or the low interest rates to make it so everyone can get a loan? All of those rules have changed. And as we've been uh, sharing with you guys the entire week, when you know how to present to buyers why they would want to work with you, it actually creates an interesting. Um, unfair advantage for you in the marketplace because how many of the buyers you have are actually also home sellers that you could then list their homes with. So what we're asking you to do urgently is treat your buyer prospects the same as you do your listing prospects. In other words, have a listing presentation, have a formalized approach, shift your mindset towards the fact that working with buyers 
it absolutely is going to require a greater skill set than it has traditionally. That's right. So when buyers do things that are in conflict with your expectations, it's not really the buyer's fault. It's the agent's fault for not educating them on what's supposed to happen throughout the process. And this is also why agents don't typically get the buyer agency form signed. Remember that the definition of close, as in closing for their signature, is the logical ending to a great presentation. So if you've if you try to close for a signature on a buyer representation agreement without actually presenting why they'd want to do that, well, of course, you're going to face rejection and you'll never want to ask again. So the solution is, as we have ramped you up on the top end of this podcast, use a proven buyer presentation. You'd never expect a seller to sign a listing agreement without a presentation, would you? Especially not if you're competing. Well, do you have a presentation for your buyers? You can use our proven buyer's presentation specifically to address several key challenges that agents and brokers have with those buyers. And we're going to walk you through those in a second. Okay. Now we need to uh, stop making the assumption that they know why the process has changed. Sure. And I'm Julie and I are just sitting here looking at each other, realizing that some of you didn't listen to the podcast for the last two days. In case you didn't um, or you've been living under a rock, here's the reality of what's going to happen. For a long period of time, uh, this would be forever, basically. Forever. <laughs> the yeah. buyer's agent's uh, commission was just automatically paid for by the seller. And we're not going to get into the legal semantics and the legal, all the aspects of, you know, all that. But let's just assume that for the most part, you knew if you were representing a buyer and it was a listed property that you were going to be paid some form of co-op commission, right? And the seller was going to pay for it. Now, you could argue, again, that the buyer was the one ending up paying for it because the houses were inflated in cost by the amount equivalent to the buyer's agent commission. I mean, you could say a lot of different things, but let's not. Let's just keep things super pure. What's going to happen or is already happening, depending on your marketplace, is that there is no implied... Uh, entitlement of a co-op commission on transactions anymore. So you're going to go to your MLS if it's not happening already, and the co-op commission number is not going to be in the MLS. Now, does that mean that the seller is not going to be willing to pay a co-op commission? It doesn't. It means that you're going to have to ask for it, and you're going to have to then have this, the buyer, in many cases, they're going to, when you meet with the buyer originally, you, as always, has have the state agency form signed. What we're asking you to consider doing and frankly, you're going to have to do it in most cases, is then you're going to want to have an exclusive buyer's agency contract signed where that buyer is obligated to work with you and you are then going to be paid on anything that they were to purchase during the duration of that exclusive buyer's agency agreement. They will not want to sign anything that with uh, anything like that with you, let alone obligate themselves to pay your co-op commission as a, your commission as it's agreed to in that exclusive uh, buyer's agency contract, unless you have, at basically using real words here, sold them into understanding what value it is that you bring to the transaction. Many of you have never actually had to think like this when it comes to working with buyers. And what I'm hopefully exposing you to is moving forward in essentially all states, you're going to have to stop assuming that you're automatically entitled to a buyer's agent's commission because the seller is not just automatically going to pay it. Now, if you write the purchase contract, and I'm assuming this is how it's going to work out, and you ask, you know, the buyer asks the seller to pay for the buyer's agent's commission, well, then most likely it's going to be a factor of the, it's going to be a cost back to the seller. But you're going to have to get to the point in your minds where you're going to start asking for the, the buyer to obligate themselves to pay your commission because what's going to happen is 
if you don't have them sign exclusive buyer's agency agreements where they are going to then be obligated to pay your commission whether the seller pays it or not, and they end up basically you walk into a house and, you know, guess what? The seller's not going to pay a co-op. You're not going to get a commission on it. And the buyer wants to buy the house. You're not getting paid. This is the reason that you don't list a house without a listing contract because you need to protect the work that you're getting, that you're putting forth, and oftentimes the money you're putting into the investment of selling that house. Same thing's gonna happen on the, on the buyer side. I have oversimplified it, but that's the path that we're all on. In addition to the state agency form, in addition to the exclusive buyer agency form, we're also asking you to have a net sheet signed, a net sheet that's going to show and clearly just, you know, explain to the buyer all the different. Um, you know, costs that are associated with the, with the, uh, the purchase of the home. Again, over-disclosing, and we're, Julie's going to get into her, with their next points about the types of things you might want to include in a net sheet. That's right. So we're talking about the buyer presentation, which then has a logical conclusion of those signatures that you're going to ask for. Just like if you were to go on, a, I mean, guys, you can't work with a seller. You can't put your sign in the yard. You can't put it in the MLS. You can't do all those things without a contract sign, can you? Well, apply that same logic which nobody argues with because, you know, it's the law. Mm-hmm. Apply that to working with buyers because that's what's going tra- to happen. Oh, and if you've been listening to this podcast for the last 14 years, you know that Julie and I were anticipating this happening over a decade ago, and finally it's played out. It's just getting more real for you now. Okay, so buyer presentation, part number one, and this has several little uh, mini parts to it. What are we presenting in a buyer presentation? The first part is, what is the actual process to correctly purchase a home? In what order will they need to execute those action steps? Now, first-time buyers are especially in the dark about what to do and how to act, but other buyers from different markets or countries can also be confused. It's not their job to know what to do. It's your job to set expectations and educate them. You've also noticed that folks that haven't bought for several years may have different expectations than what's happening in today's market or what today's market requires. Even going from city to city, you know, closing and possession dates vary greatly from town to town and from state to state. So don't make assumptions. So what you're going to do, again, I'm taking Julie's points and hopefully making it very plain for you, is that you're going to have a buyer's presentation. You're going to sit down and present to your buyer. uh, These are just the different ideas that Julie wrote down. But these are all included with the buyer presentation you get with uh, Premier Coaching. So if you want to skip the line and just have a completed uh, buyer presentation that's already created for you, it's waiting for you in Premier Coaching. And you can join Premier Coaching for free. Just click the link below in the show description. By the way, all of our notes for all of our podcasts are also in the show description below. So if you're on iTunes or YouTube or whatever, all the links are down there. Just scroll down, click the link to join Premier Coaching, or you just go to premiercoaching.com. But what we're hoping, again, I'm saying this for the third time because it's really important. What we're hoping you take away from the podcasts uh, that we've done this week is that you're going to need to start treating yourself more as a professional because that's what the market, and by the way, the law will soon be requiring. That's right. So back to our process. And in the buyer presentation that you get in Premier Coaching, there's an actual process flowchart that is a great visual uh, that goes with this, right? So these points go hand in hand with that. You're going to start with the buying process. Actually educate them about what's supposed to happen in what order. For example, they must become pre-approved and ideally get an actual loan commitment from a mortgage lender. You can supply your buyer with a standard list of list of documents required to apply for the mortgage and uh, specific to your lender. 
they can add anything particular to that to their um, you know their Net particular team. bank, right? So your buyer should also be aware of their own credit scores at this point in the process. How many of you are having that discussion right now? How many of you are putting buyers in contract and then finding out if they're pre-approved or not? Well, you just mentioned something on the show the other day about a new was it Freddie Mac? Yeah, has, down payment assistance programs. Right. I mean, those are things. Those very words are not words we've heard of uh, in like fifteen no. years, and a whole bunch of other mortgage stuff, right? Exactly. So but this is when it's appropriate to have those discussions. Now we've done a lot of past, uh, past podcasts on choosing a lender, uh, how to you know essentially pre-qualify whether or not you want to be working with that lender. Don't assume the lender that you have had in your back pocket for the last you know market cycle is going to be the one you want. You're going to want to have in this new market cycle because a lot of the lenders. They're not getting re-educated basically about the different types of mortgage products, or maybe their mortgage, the mortgage company they work with doesn't offer the new mortgage products. You're going to be stuck with a lender that's most likely, you know, your your lender's not going to tell you, I don't offer all these different types of programs. They're just going to say your buyer wasn't approved. You're going to have to be the one that's responsible for making sure that you are pre-qualifying your lenders. And that again gives you a uh, an advantage when the buyers uh, are choosing who they're going to be working with. And again, depending on the buyer's price point, they might also have homes for sale. They might have a, right. a listing that they need to sell. Well, and that's all part of that presentation too, is finding out the answers to those questions. Now, if your buyer is all cash, they need to secure a proof of funds letter from the entity where their cash is parked. Bank accounts, investment accounts, et cetera. Caution, is it coming from the sale of something that hasn't sold yet? Like a house. This is when you talk about those things. And of course, you're going to sit down and do this actual buyer presentation. Some of you guys tried to uh, quasi-present by throwing this in conversationally. Well, it's just gotten to be more formal than that, so that's why we have the presentation. So you're going to <coughs> excuse me, discuss their expectations. What are their must-haves and what would, their be, uh, would be nice to have things for their house? Help spouses or partners have a meeting of the minds. What can they reasonably get for their price range and geographic requirements? Create a strategy if they're buying and selling at the same time, which should happen first. And again, we have coaching on how to handle that, looking at days on the market, which house is likely to be more competitive or less competitive. All of these are discussions during the presentation. What, I, so when you're meeting with a buyer for the first time, I know, in, you know, Julie and I sold a lot of homes, thousands of homes. So we've been there, done that with regards to sometimes the buyer just wants to see the house. Uh, we will... I know if you don't show the house to the buyer, then there's no chance that buyer is going to work with you. But you got to pre-qualify them first. You have at least got to have them answer very, you know, frankly, very basic questions about their motivation. Do they have homes to sell? How long they've been looking? I assume because you're calling me directly, you're not working with another agent. Those types of things. So that's all part of the buyer uh, section in Premier Coaching. Go through the buyer pre-qualification now. Show them the one house if you have. If you're not in a situation where they can uh, formally sit down with you. But then after you've shown them one house, when they meet with you again, make it so that you give them the presentation and your goal is to get those three forms signed. And when you do, you're going to have something, you're basically going to have a buyer that is committed to you exclusively for the duration of that contract, but also who has been fully exposed to all the expenses in the process and the actual presentation will cover you uh, in the event that, for example, you know, how many of you have lost buyers? And if you're new in real estate, this you know you don't have to make these mistakes, right? Brilliant man learns from his mistakes. Or a smart man learns from his mistakes. A brilliant man learns from the mistakes of others. So learn from this. Uh, you don't have to wait for a buyer to go and buy new construction or go and buy their uncle's house 
until it, for you to learn why you should have had exclusive agency contracts signed. It always goes back to them not understanding how you actually work with them. Most buyers, even experienced ones, they will actually think that you only sell real estate in the particular neighborhood where they met you. It's true. <laughs> I mean, they won't know that you can represent them on anything in the state. Or even their price range or even, you know... You don't know what they're thinking if you don't present to them and have these conversations. And again, the more the seasoned buyers are, you know, bought and sold three or four houses. Don't assume that they know either because they don't. Well, they're all drunk on trying to find a house. That's what they're leading with in their brains, right? Okay, so back to the process. We're going to finish talking about how to show them what the process should be, and then we'll get into some more stuff. So you're going to discuss what will be expected in your market, in their price range, for what they're looking for when they find the right home. Some of you still have to deal with appraisal gaps, going over the list price, flexibility with closing dates and possession, not being contingent on home sale. In other markets, you can be contingent on home sale now. You're going to have those discussions. And then, of course, signing the buyer representation agreement with you. We're talking about the process and the timeline. Then they're going to start looking for the home, write the contract, get it accepted, go pending, and then remove contingencies and close. That's the process that you're explaining to them. Now, some of you, I've had coaching calls where they have said, uh, the buyer wants to have it inspected before they write a contract. Yeah. Well, why do they ask that? Because you didn't have a presentation explaining the process that you get in contract and then you've got 10 or 17 days to get it inspected, for example. But most of the buyers, if you think about this, Julia, if they have houses to sell, mm -hmm. they probably have never owned or never done a real estate transaction in a normal market. Right. So they've only done a real estate transaction where they couldn't, where they had to pay over, where they didn't have the house inspected. That's right. Where they had to cover the appraisal gap. Sure. So they don't know any better. They don't know. And unfortunately, mm -hmm. a lot of the agents listening don't know any better. That's true, too. And, oh, and nor so, do their sellers in some cases. Exactly. Right? So you have to assume that most of the market is going to need this uh, same education and training that you're going to be giving them through the buyer agency. That's right. Through the, the, through the buyer presentation. Yeah. And sometimes you'll be explaining some of these things to the other agent, too. Yeah. So note, if you are not actually discussing the process, remember the first half of the presentation is the process. That's what we just did. If you're not discussing that with your buyers before you start showing them properties, don't be surprised when you find out any of the following. A, maybe they're not really qualified, not really cash, or even looking in the wrong price range. B, also working with another agent or agents, and you're just the showing agent, they plan to actually write it with their friend, relative, or previous agent. C, going out on the weekend to look at open houses or new construction without you. Or D, considering the for sale by owner in their favorite neighborhood that they just saw last weekend. So again, buyers are not liars. They just don't know what to expect of them until you properly educate them. It's not fair to just magically expect them to act like perfect buyers for you. And that brings us to the next point. The second part of the buyer presentation explains what to expect from you, what they can expect from you, and what you should expect from them. This way, they'll know what's appropriate behavior, you know, the things you guys like to complain about sometimes, while they're looking. For example, you expect them to be loyal to you because you're spending time and energy finding them a house that meets their criteria, and you'll negotiate on their behalf to win. This is a good time to present to them the several different ways that you search that are not just the MLS, Realtor.com, or Zillow, because you know they can do that too. And we have had podcasts dedicated to how to use things in addition to your MLS. They can expect you to be loyal to them and find them what they want. You're going to coach them to always say that they're working with you. Give them 10 of your business cards. Whether they're looking at new construction for sale by owners, open house sellers, or out with you know running into another listing agent, yes, they're working with you. 
You're going to coach them not to apply for any new lines of credit until they've closed. That includes boats, cars, and anything else that requires a credit check. Well, also, you got to remember that you're not going to have every single one of these buyers that's going to agree to sign an exclusive buyer's agency contract. And here's the simple word, good. That's one yes. less person that you have to be focused on. And you could explain to them that, and you have to adjust accordingly, but maybe you only want to work with five or six committed uh, buyers at a time. And you could explain to them that the reason I, I will, everyone signs a buyer's agency contract, everyone signs an exclusive buyer's agency contract, is because for those five or six people, I'm going to find them their home. And as we've done previous podcasts, we do a lot of coaching on this. These are all the different places, Mr. Uh, buyer, where I'm going to look for a home for you. And as you can see, a lot of this is going to require me, frankly, going there or actually picking up the phone and, you know, looking because these are not databases that you can just go and see all the list of homes for sale. Like I was on the phone with um, uh, someone today, actually DXP Realty, and there was a hedge fund that is giving EXP, if I remember correctly, three or 4,000 listings. Wow, that's And awesome. those are going to be going into EXP Realty's new exclusive program, mm -hmm. which in essence is a off-market list of homes for sale that are yep. not in the MLS. Mm -hmm. And a lot of brokers are doing that. Mm -hmm. Well, that would be an advantage if you're an EXP Realty agent and you're trying to explain to a buyer why they want to work with you because you might very well have a list of homes that nobody else is going to have. That's huge. It is. You know, talk about a unique selling proposition. But right? that's how you do it. You're going to have to understand that not everyone's going to agree to it because not everyone's serious about buying a home. And that I'm glad that you're weeding out the people that's that good. will probably that, that would have probably never bought anyway and wasted all your nights and weekends. That's right. So you're also going to talk about if they're buying and selling with you, make sure you do a seller's net sheet and a buyer's net sheet. And on the seller's net sheet, you've actually captured all payoffs required. That includes home equity lines of credit, other liens. Some sellers actually believe that the home equity line of credit, that's the HELOC, isn't actually attached to the house. In other words, they don't realize it's a second mortgage. But do these things in the right order. Like when you're using our buyer prequalification script, one of the things we want you to peel off right away is if they have a house to sell. Matter of fact, it's the third question. It says, by the way, uh, which house in the neighborhood are you thinking about selling? That's when someone calls and asks about seeing a home that might be for sale. You want to then veer off and go down the direction of getting, uh, finding out about the nature of the listing. What you then might discover is the house is listed with another agent and the other agent's already showing them properties and you just saved yourself a whole bunch of time. You guys get it? So when you follow a professional approach and ask questions in the right order, what you end up with is far fewer leads but you end up with people that are actually going to transact. Yes, which is a good thing. So make sure you're doing net sheets for your buyer and seller, especially when they are the same person buying and selling with you. If you're uncomfortable doing net sheets, your MLSs usually have a little widget baked into that that you just have to learn how to use. If not, your title agent can help you or your broker can help you. Doing net sheets nowadays would be a pleasure. <laughs> I know. I mean, I, well, seriously, right? Right. I mean, uh, most everyone's going to have at least 50% equity in their home. Which is why they're not used to doing it. Yeah, right? I know. It's okay. true. So review, the next thing is to review what the next steps actually are with your buyer prospect. Is it time to finish their pre-approval or are they ready to go buy something? Set your next appointment before this appointment is over so you don't have to chase the client down in voicemail, text, and email. So that was all part of the presentation. And then, of course, point number three, communicate consistently and by voice. Don't be just texting all the time. Buyers are nervous about everything all the time. And if they're not hearing from you, you're making it worse. They don't know if you've been looking for properties all day long, especially outside of the MLS. If you're visiting new construction on their behalf or seeing that for sale by owner is a match for them if you're not telling them. 
buyers will ghost you, hopefully not with the buyer agency signed, but they can ghost you and they can go work with somebody else or simply give up if they don't feel you're doing a good enough job for them. And that comes down to communicating. And last but not least, as many podcasts end, be the listing agent. <laughs> you can always refer your buyers to a buyer partner and opt out of everything that we just talked about, but only when you're a powerful listing agent. You should, however, keep your repeat and referral buyer clients as much as possible, especially when they're listing with you as well. But all roads stop at the listing agent. We all know the listing agent always wins. Our most successful agents um, that we've, you know, that are making millions of dollars per year, the only buyers they'll work with. I'm thinking of Chuck Williamson, for example. Sure. The only buyers he'll, in, in a, at EXP, he was number three for individual agent commissions to the entire That's brokerage. Awesome. Right. Congrats. Yeah, exactly. Well, so the only buyers he works with mm -hmm. are the buyers that are purchasing his own listing. Makes sense. And, and that's it. The, mm -hmm. So he double ends a lot of his own listings. And, and he's he, very thorough pre-qualifying them on the phone when they show up, finding out if they have other listings to sell and things like that. But he can do that because he has the listings. Exactly. Yes. And that all roads always lead back to being a listing agent because here's the kind of big takeaway from today's show, this little series we've done, is when you have listings, you can create leverage. When you have buyers, you're actually the buyer's leverage. What does that mean? Mm -hmm. So if you have five listings, you are actually, um, I know we're talking about buyers, but you know, being a listing agent really is the greatest. It's in real estate, ultimately, you want to be the listing agent because of the leverage aspect. So you have five listings. You put them in the MLS. They got price, condition, location all going for them. How many realtors are there in your MLS? 5,000, 10,000? All of them, to you know, one degree or another, are going to have potential buyers to sell your listing. You've got leverage. The listing gives you the leverage. You get your time back. You get right. time back to, you know, work normal working hours. Whereas when you're working with a buyer, you're the buyer's leverage. The buyer needs you for everything. The buyer's going to make you work when they're not working, which means there goes your nights and your weekends. When you're a listing agent, you actually can have a normal nine, nine to five. You can actually make it so that you have a, a real honest to gosh quitting time. And whereas with buyers, you just start working when they're not working. Hopefully I'm making that point. Yeah, and you're subject to jumping immediately when a new listing pops up when we have low inventory and you have no control over that. Oh, here's the ultimate problem working with buyers. There's no such thing as a buyer that has to buy. We say this on the podcast a lot uh, because it is a hard lesson that many of you have learned the hard way. Because mm -hmm. <laughs> all it's going to take are interest rates or political this is or the wind's blowing this way or that way. And the buyers just, what do they do? Even with buyer's agency contract signed, they just decide to stay put. I'm just going to stay renting or I'm going to keep my old house or we're going to do a kitchen remodel or you know, call me back in six months. Buyers, there's no such thing as a buyer that has to buy. They're always want to buy. In other words, they will never have the same level of motivation as a seller who has to sell. So when you're dealing with sellers, especially in a market like this, there's going to be something less than 4 million total home sales of resales and something less than 700,000 new construction uh, for 2023. It's going to be, in history of real estate, one of the worst years aside from maybe 2009. How about that? So you guys have just lived through the worst year in real estate Congratulations, you made it out alive. You made it. You made it. You didn't even realize it. Yeah, you didn't. But here's that's still, you know, what, 8 million transactions, probably two commissions on both sides, not including the new construction. There's still lots of opportunity. But the way that you control your time, the way you control your financial future, the way you have consistent cash flows through being a listing agent. But yes, when you do have, let's say you're getting started in real estate and you know working with buyers traditionally is. Um, you know, the lower skilled activity. 
but working with buyers is about to become not quite the same level of skill necessary as a seller, but it's going to require a more formalized approach. Don't wait for your local MLS or your broker to say, guess what, now you start, have to start explaining to the buyer that they're going to be obligated to pay your commission. How many of you are going to essentially just you know, hide out in a cave if that actually is the new rule in your brokerage or in your MLS? Because guess what? It is going to be the new rule in your brokerage or your MLS. That is what's going to happen. A lot of the brokers are already saying that. It, it, this is not like a year out. This is happening now. Yeah. So you're, you're going to sit down with it. You're going to be forced to, in one degree or another, explain to the buyer that they are obligated to pay your commission and you're going to have to explain to them why uh, they would want to pay your commission. Now, in the interim, when there are some agents that are following the rules and some agents that aren't, that will put you at a disadvantage if you're following the rules and the other agents in the marketplace are just doing it the way it's been done forever, where they're just making the assumption that the seller is going to pay their commission. But you know when that'll stop? When they sell that buyer into a house and guess what? There's no co-op and they're not getting paid. Yep. So get ahead of the curve, guys. This is the new market uh, that, frankly, it's going to be now, ultimately, fundamentally, how the business actually works, it won't change that much. Not that much. But it will, I think, in this interim, well, there's a lot of agents figuring it out and brokerages uh, figuring it out. There, is, there are going to be a, a lot of displaced agents, honestly. Well, there's more, more than anything, I think they're nervous because they haven't known what to do, how to deal with this. They, they you know, see the discussion and they feel the freak out. Yep. That's why we did this podcast was to help give them confidence that you can do something about it. You can be in control of it. And, you know, it's going to be okay. It's just normalizing. The transparency is normalizing. Here's the all. good news for you guys. We have taught and uh, coached agents for the last 22 years when working with buyers themselves or if they had buyer's agents or brokers that had buyers uh, that had agents that work prominently with buyers, we've always told them to get exclusive buyer agency contracts signed. Yes. So there is a proven system for accomplishing this goal. You don't have to be intimidated by it. And when everyone is doing it, you won't have to worry about offending anyone asking them to work exclusively with you. It'll, it's getting easier, not harder. It'll temporarily feel harder and strange, but then it'll get easier because you won't be the only one having these discussions. And that's the reason you use our presentation, because you go through the presentation, and I don't remember how many pages it is, do you? No. <laughs> it's but, not that long. You know, there's a pattern to it. We, we basically outlined it today. Yeah, and then when you're through at the end, it's like the next natural step is to basically sign these three forms and you're off to the races. It's a logical conclusion to a great presentation. Hopefully, you guys will agree this is a logical Conclusion to today's podcast. There you are. In the meantime, thank you for keeping this number one listen to daily podcast for real estate professionals in at least the United States. You guys have a fantastic day. We'll talk with you on the show tomorrow. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.